I'm glad we get another week with Rick. I was looking through a bunch of pictures. Um, I don't know if you've taken time to do that lately, but uh, almost two decades of Rick and I being together doing this church thing, and it has been a blessing. And I look back, not just where you and I were almost two decades ago, and uh, but where our kids were. Tiny, tiny. There's just so many memories flooding my head right now. It's gonna be, we're gonna have a good time next week. Absolutely. Sad time, but a good time. Absolutely. And again, I want to thank you for everything you are and everything. It's been I love seeing you up here with your guitar playing again. You uh, you remind me of Johnny Cash for some reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That deep bass voice, all in black with a guitar. I, I know you don't do Johnny songs, but uh, not very often. But we're going to have a good time celebrating Rick and the Robins next week, man. I, 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 thank you, buddy. Um, also, I, I, I want to let you know on this, too. Uh, usually when I'm in town on Monday nights, we do a Bible and bros thing at the brewery here uh, from 6 to 8 o'clock. And so... If you want to get together with me at the at Second Sun Brews and talk about the Bible and theology and doctrine, I'd invite you. And then on Tuesday night from 6 to 8, it's Coffee with Carl over at Dutch Bros for our Stone Creek people out there. And so anyway, uh, whatever those or both of those you want to come to, I'd invite you. We'll do, all we do, there's no agenda. We just sit around and talk about the Bible um, and drink some holy beverage. Um, <laughs> and talk about doctrine and stuff, and uh, you're more than happy more than invited. In this series that I've titled, God is with us, the emphasis is on the is part. Because even if you have a relationship with Jesus, even if you've been in church, you know, your whole life, there are times that even if you know God is with you, sometimes it doesn't feel like he is, right? Okay. You know if you lie in church, you go straight to hell? No, I'm just kidding, you don't, but I'm just like, like, let's just be real. There, there are some times where, like, I know it, but sometimes I don't know it. And sometimes we have to be reminded that, it, no, 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 God is with us. Because we go through things in life, and the things we go through in life aren't always fun. Right? It's not always pleasurable. <laughs> it's not always a good time. And, and so that's why I chose as this anchor text for this little series, Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. The Bible says, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or... If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I go to get away from you, God? The answer is nowhere. Because you are there. You are with your people. And sometimes there's, there's passages like this, Psalm 139, 7, 8, 9, 10, that it's helpful to memorize. So we can be reminded of the truth of it. I memorized that passage when I was a, a very young man at home. 
And it stuck with me. And it still does that God is with me and I cannot get away from his presence. See, what I know is that when we walk through the wilderness of life, that's those times when we're lost, when we have nothing but questions and no answers, and we just wander about. And sometimes we go through wilderness seasons. God is with us, even in the wilderness. Sometimes I know we go through valleys in life. And valleys are full of tears and full of pain and full of dangers and peril. Great disappointment in the valleys. But I know that God is with me, even in the valleys. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me. And what I know is that it's easy to enjoy God on the mountaintops. And it's easy to believe that he is with us on the mountaintops. But it's in the wildernesses, not the mountaintops, that we experience him. And it's in the valleys, not the mountaintops, that we really get to know him. But there's another season that we go through in life, and it's the storms. And sometimes the storms of life. See, when we're in the wilderness, we're lost. It's confusing, but it's expansive, and we know we'll walk through it, and eventually there's, there's something on the other end of the wilderness. And, and even in the valleys, the valleys are those things, like we know we're walking through it. It might be dark and difficult and painful at the time, but we know we're walking through it. But storms are different. Sometimes storms hit us, and you can't see anything around you, and there's no light coming through the storm, and sometimes storms are so perilous that we just hope to survive them. Sometimes storms are so bad and so difficult and so scary. I don't have a question of if God is with me. I have a question is of if I'm going to survive. And you know when we started naming storms, you know how they name storms? Like Hurricane Irma or I don't know any more storms. <laughs> You know how they name storms? You know when we started naming storms? In 1953, Navy and Army meteorologists began naming storms after women's names. Now, I, I, I don't know how that went down, but I'm just imagining a couple military boys sitting around the office, had this idea. I just imagine when I'm going home, you know, honey, me and Bert down at the office today, look at all these storms that are on the horizon. They're going to be devastating. People are going to die. Everything's going to get destroyed. And I just could, I could only think of you. <laughs> I, how, how did that conversation go? <laughs> in 1978, that all changed. You know what happened in 1978? Equal rights came to storms. And they started naming them after men as well. And, and, and you know as well as I do, sometimes we go through storms and they have names to them. COVID. There's a name to that storm. And sometimes those storms are so pervasive and so expansive, we just hope to survive it. You've gone through storms that have names. Divorce. 
It's a storm with a name. And if you've had to walk through that storm, if you had to live in that storm, I guarantee you there have been moments where you thought, you know what, I just, I'm just trying to survive this right now. You've been through storms. If you've ever had to deal with the storm of cancer, there are times during that storm when you might question, boy, I wonder if God's really with me. But ultimately, when you're in that storm, you just, well, I just, if I can just survive this. You've been through storms. Debt that's so deep, it's such a huge storm, you have no hope of ever getting out of that thing. You're always, you feel like, will be a slave. You've been through storms. Depression that's been with you so long you can't remember what it's like not to be depressed. And you know how deep that storm gets when you truly are just trying to survive one more day. You've been through storms. You've been through the storm of addiction. That storm when you want to be free but there's nothing in you able to get yourself free. Hoping you'll survive another day to try again. You've been through storms. And most of the time when we're in those storms, we want to know, God, why? Why this? God, why? Why now? God, why don't you do something about this? Because I'm at the end of everything, and I'm just trying to survive. Why? Right? Here's what I want to encourage you with. Never let the presence of a storm make you doubt the presence of God. Do you understand? It may feel as though... There are times in storms where everything inside you tries to convince you that God has vacated the premise of your life. Never let the presence of a storm make you doubt the presence of God. Late in the Apostle Paul's life, now this was a man who loved the Lord, who had an incredible conversion experience where God got a hold of his life in unmistakable fashion. And he was a man who gave himself to God's plan, God's work, to kingdom stuff. And yet he went through storms. At the end of his life, towards the end of his life, he was arrested for preaching. And he appealed to Rome. Rome had authority over over people, and he was, was part Roman, and so he appealed to Caesar that Caesar would hear his case because he knew that the charges he was up on was bogus. And so being a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, they, he, they had to grant him that request, but to get from where he was to get to where Caesar was, he had to set sail on a ship and sail to Rome. And during that voyage, the ship Paul was on hit some rough seas. 
ran into a storm. And they lost time. It was dangerous. And for most, full of fear. And so, as we join this story in Acts chapter 27, if you have a Bible and brought one with you, go to Acts chapter 27. Go to the middle of the Bible, take a right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Short for the actions of the first church, the apostles. If you got a good Bible, 27 will come just before 28. If you got a real good Bible, 27 will come just after 26. And so I'm sure that we can navigate ourselves to that. All the scripture will be on the screen behind me, and it's also on our app. You want to follow along. I don't, like, we have this app, and everything that's on the screen is on the app, and yet I still see people all the time taking pictures with their phone of that screen. Just go to our app. It's all right there. It makes it really easy. <laughs> Acts 27, starting in verse 9. Much time had been lost, and selling had already become dangerous, because by now it was the day after atonement. So Paul warned them, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and our own lives also. I mean, this is a storm. We've had moments like this in our lives. What's up ahead does not look good. What's up ahead is dangerous and it's going to be costly, right? But the centurion, the one in, Paul was a prisoner on this ship. So the centurion in charge of them, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Why? Because they had cargo they had to get to port to get paid. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on. So they're sailing. They know it's going to be difficult. They know that the Paul has just told him, hey, this is probably not a good idea. But the decision is made to set sail anyway. Have you ever been in a storm that is someone else's fault? You're just caught up in it? Have you ever been in a storm that's your fault? There are some storms we're in, and it's not by our choosing. Other people chose to set sail. There are some storms we're in because we chose to set sail. Watch what happens, verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now let me, let me just pause right there. There is great danger in making decisions based on circumstances. There's great danger in making decisions based on circumstances. When we start making decisions based on how things appear, we'll inevitably run into storms. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept from, uh, down from the island. Things change very quick. Circumstances change very quickly. Right? The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. 
I guarantee you some of us have been in storms when you can't fight it anymore. You can't head into it anymore. You just kind of throw your hands up and let it drive you along. That's what happens in storms. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kada, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Sometimes when you're in storms and taking such a beating, you just start sacrificing and getting rid of everything that was once important because it's just too much. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared, for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Sometimes, storms in our lives are so fierce. Sometimes, storms in our life has caused so much pain and so much damage. We feel like it's just time to give up. Those storms that hit our marriages sometimes, so difficult and so profound, I just don't think we're going to make it. Those storms that hit our finances so long, so deep, so difficult, we'll never get out. Just give up. Sometimes those storms... Our kids have turned away from God. They've walked away so much. I used to believe that they'd come back, but it's been so long and they're so just. Sometimes those storms, I've been single for 40 years and I just, there's no, God's never going to answer that prayer. Sometimes those storms. We've prayed and we've tried and we've cried out to God for a baby and we just cannot get pregnant and just lose all hope. Sometimes those storms. They just drive you to the place of just, I'm done. Right? Look at what Paul says. I mean, they're in desperation. They're in complete and utter desperation. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, told you so. <laughs> Look at what he says. Men, you should have taken my advice. You could have spared yourself all this. Have you ever, have you ever just want to tell somebody, I told you so? Right? Like everybody saw this coming. Everybody but you. You thought you'd be different. I told you so. <laughs> See, sometimes we definitely get into storms that are other people's choices. Paul was. It wasn't his choice to sail. There are other people on that boat when they're choice to sail. But sometimes we get into storms that are our choices because our decisions. And, and here's what I've discovered. See if this isn't true. It's easier for me to believe that God is with me and will get me out of the storm when I'm in a storm that's not my fault. Right? 
Because if, if it's not my fault, like, I, and, and I want to, other people did this, and I just impart it. Like, certainly God will have mercy on the innocent, right? So it's easier for me to believe God have mercy on me because this wasn't my choice, right? But see, if you're like me in this also, it's more difficult for me to believe that God is with me and will get me out of the storm when it is my fault. Because somewhere in here, I feel like God's saying, ha, I told you so. Now deal with it. See, so as I was thinking about this week, I thought, is that how it goes? Like, does God have more mercy on me when it's not my fault than he does when it is my fault? Because it feels that. Like, that's my temptation to believe that. And so then, I, I think God spoke to me, he gave me this. Mercy must exist both for the innocent and the guilty. Because if God gives mercy out differently, it's not mercy. Which gives me hope that when I'm in storms that I created, God's mercy is still there. It gives me hope. Whether you're in a storm that's other people's fault or in a storm that's your own fault, the message is the same. Now watch this. This is Paul. He said, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. So guess where God's presence is in the middle of a storm? Beside his people. Guess what God is saying to his people in the storm? Don't be afraid. But please note this. Understand what the scripture is saying and what it's implying. God said this, gave this word to the man that was his, whom he had a relationship with. God, God did not make this announcement to the crew. He didn't make this announcement to the masses. He didn't make this announcement to everybody. He spoke to the person who had a relationship with him. So the idea is if you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, maybe you should be afraid of the storm you're in. Do you understand? The implication here is that no one else on that boat in the middle of the exact same storm that Paul was in experienced the presence of God. So they should fear. For those of us with a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, did you know, according to the Bible, that we have angels dedicated to us? Now, I'm not talking about guardian angels, little fat babies in diapers playing harps. That's not what I'm talking about. But I want you to understand what the Bible says and why Paul got an angel to show up. What the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, which is the greatest discourse of angels in all of Scripture, 
Are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Understand what the Bible says. The Bible says that angels, their one purpose, these angels, their purpose is to serve those and help those and aid those who will inherit salvation, i.e., those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. That's the job and the purpose of an angel, is to serve, help, assist, and aid those who will inherit salvation because of a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Do you understand what the implication is? that for those without a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, do not have an angel dedicated to them. And I understand that the common idea is that we all have a guardian angel. That's not biblical. What is biblical is that those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus have angels that can be dispatched to their aid. But not those who do not have a relationship with God. Do you understand? Do you understand? Now, if I have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, and I have an angel whose purpose is to serve and aid me, the question ought to be, how do I get that angel to act on my behalf? Right? So let me, let me just explain something to you. The spiritual world the unseen world that is more real than this physical world functions under authority and by submission. God is a God of order, not of chaos. And everything in the spiritual world functions under authority and by submission. So to get an angel activated in your life does not happen by your prayers. Because you don't, you and I don't have authority over angels, and they are not submitted to us. Do you understand? You tracking with me? So we can pray all we want for angels to move on our behalf. It ain't going to happen. They don't function under our authority. They're not submitted to us. But there is one who has authority over angels, and there's one whom the angels submit to. So you want to know how to get angels activated in your life if you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Jesus told us how to do this. It's all in the Bible. This is a pretty interesting book if we read it. I mean, it really is. There's so much in it. I was like, wow, that's great. I didn't know. And we're thinking about that. We're going to read this our whole lives long and still come up with new stuff. Like, I never knew that was there. And so, so watch this. This is what Jesus said. Luke 12, verse 8. Jesus said, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before what? The angels of God. And so the reason why Jesus says, go take care of them, angel, is because that person has acknowledged the Son of Man, Jesus, before people. So here's how it works in my head. There I am on earth, and I'm in a storm. And I need God to activate supernatural forces for my benefit, to serve me, to minister, to aid me. 
And I'm crying out to God day and night and night and day and day and night and night and day. And I got an angel whose job it is to serve me and minister to me up in heaven saying, cut me loose, Jesus. I'm ready to go. I got everything that boy needs and I'll take care of it right now. And Jesus looks at me and he looks at my angel and says, stand down. He's living as an undercover Christian. There's no acknowledgement of me in his life. Stand down. I can beg and plead all I want. But angels will not be dispatched on my behalf unless I acknowledge the Son of Man before people. Then Jesus acknowledges me before the angels. Do you know why Paul had an angel dispatched on his behalf? Because he had spent his life acknowledging Jesus before people who didn't believe in him. Do you understand? So maybe we're lost in storms, hopeless and helpless, because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe... We're in storms crying out for a supernatural move of God. But we're living as an undercover Christian. Don't worry, the story gets better. All through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, God has, has told his people over and over, I am with you. Second Timothy, at my first defense, Paul says, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Boy, what forgiveness and grace he had, huh? But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He is with me. Psalm 16, 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. God is with us and will dispatch supernatural angels to aid us as we acknowledge him even in the midst of storms. The story goes on. Last night, Paul says, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it'll happen just as he told me. Here's what I want us to understand. If you have a relationship with Jesus, storms do not have authority over you when God has more for you to do. Understand this. Storms do not have authority over your life nor your future when you have more to do on God's behalf for his kingdom. So if you know that you are God's and he is yours and you have more to do for the kingdom, fear no storm. It does not have authority over you. Amen. There's a lyric to worship song that says fear is just a lie that's running out of breath. Fear no storm. 
But understand this as well, and, and, and this is ultimately the good, the really, the, the, the best news. Once you've c- completed your race, once you've finished the purpose for God putting you on this earth, you get to rejoice because now you get the green light to go home. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul said. For me to live is Christ. He got more for me to do. I ain't going to fear no storm. But to die is gain. Here's what I know. If you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, while there's breath in your lungs, you fear no storm. Breath in your lungs is the proof that there's more for you to do for the kingdom. And as long as there's more for you to do, orchestrated by God, ain't no storm ever going to have authority over your life. Breath in your lungs means that you've got more people to bless. Breath in your lungs means that you have more opportunities to act in faith. Breath in your lungs means people in your, there's people in your huddle that you still need to share Jesus with and invite to church. Breath in your lungs means there's still more churches for us to plant. Breath in your lungs, if you are Christ, means there's still more work for you to do for the kingdom and you ain't got to fear no storm when there's breath in your lungs. Let me tell you the most difficult part about this whole storm scenario. And even with the fact of knowing God is with us, and even knowing that they ain't got no fear, no storm. Let me tell you the most difficult part. There's one word. And this one word throws a wrench in nearly everybody's faith if they don't understand it. And they don't understand what's behind it. You want to know what that one word is? Verse 26 of Acts 27. Nevertheless, Paul, you're going to be all right. Nevertheless, Paul, everybody with you, because I'm blessing you. Everybody else is going to get blessed. Nevertheless, Paul, you're going to say, I got more for you to do. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Well, God, I thought we were going to be okay. You are, but nevertheless, you're still going to shipwreck. But God, I thought we were going to be okay in the, in the raging storm. You are, but nevertheless, it's going to be difficult. And this is what goes through our minds all the time. Well, I, I do trust God, but nevertheless, well, I know that God will, but nevertheless, I got, a, I got all these promises from God, but nevertheless, I just, there's always a nevertheless. Behind every promise, there's a nevertheless. Behind every conviction, there's a nevertheless. See, we know, you know, like the Bible says, no weapon formed against me will prosper, but nevertheless, things are still. Right? I know that God will work all things together for the good of those, of those who love him and called according to purpose, but nevertheless, God, nevertheless. I know the Bible says God will never leave me or forsake me, but nevertheless, there's... I 
know the Bible says that if I bring up my child in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. But nevertheless, I know that the Bible tells me greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. But nevertheless, there's always a nevertheless. Amen. Probably still going to run aground. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. God, if you could just show up without a nevertheless, it'd be fantastic. Why is there always a nevertheless? Earlier I told you, don't, no, don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I want to follow that up with this. The destruction of a storm does not equate to the destruction of God's plans. Even with the nevertheless. The problem is sometimes we hit the neverthelesses. We find out that our faith is in something other than God's presence. Because the nevertheless that we get destroys us. And we realize our faith is in something other than God. See, Paul's faith wasn't in the boat. Paul's faith wasn't in the mechanism. Paul's faith wasn't in the structure. Paul's faith wasn't in the shell that he inhabited. His faith was in God. And the neverthelesses call into question where it make us come face to face with what our faith is in. When we get a word from God and we say, God is with you, nevertheless, this will, all of a sudden we're faced to deal with the fact of where is my faith? Is it in the thing that is now suffering because of nevertheless or is it in the God was orchestrating all things. See, here's what I know. Boats get destroyed in storms and faith gets strengthened in them. Because we'll go through the neverthelesses. But God is still present. Here's what I know. We walk through wildernesses and we experience God and we walk in valleys and we get to know God. But the storms are the thing. It's in the storms that we become convinced of him. even in the nevertheless. I understand what it's like. We go through storms and want to know why. Why the storm? Why now? But, but, but there's a purpose to them. And if you look in Acts 27, we see the purpose of the storm. See, what I, what, and I, I don't want us to miss this because some of you are in a storm and you need to be encouraged with what God's doing. But if you're not in a storm, you're probably going to get into one, you know, at some time in 2022. And we got to get ready for them and understand this, that the storm is simply a setup for a miracle. Yeah. It's a setup for a miracle. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Nevertheless. Whenever there's a nevertheless in your life, there's a purpose or miracle of God in your future. Understand that. Amen. Now, no, no, understand. This life is a dress rehearsal for eternity. And sometimes the nevertheless will end at one point with us moving from this home to that home. And the miracle in that, nevertheless, is God's faithfulness to us through faith to welcome us home. Nevertheless, there is eternity 
Nevertheless, there's heaven. So it doesn't matter what the storm is. Had to run aground on some island. Do you know what island it was? Malta. The island of Malta. And it was on the island of Malta that God did incredible, miraculous work. All because Paul was caught in a storm. It was on Malta that God showed the power over life and death when Paul was bitten by a deadly venomous snake and shook it off and was fine. It was on Malta that God showed the power over sickness by healing the ruler of the island from his sickness. It was on Malta that God showed the power over every illness by healing every ill person on the island. It was on Malta that Paul acknowledged Jesus before people, and it was on Malta that God showed up in supernatural ways, and it was on Malta that everything that was sacrificed that they needed for their journey was replenished and restored. Was it a coincidence that Paul was on that boat that others chose to set sail? Was it a coincidence that Paul on that boat was caught in a storm? Was it a coincidence that they were shipwrecked on Malta? Oh, I don't think so. Albert Einstein once said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. What may look like coincidence in the storms of our life are actually orchestrations of God to carry out his plan. Fear no storm. And that's why next week I'm starting a series on that very thing. Is, Is it coincidence or is there a plan behind it? All through the Bible, we see this very thing at work. But for now, in this storm, We've got a few different things. I want you to consider if you're in a storm and it sounds real churchy, that's real simple. Give your life to Jesus. A storm without Christ is destruction, a storm with Christ is deliverance. So the first thing I'd encourage you is to give your life to Christ. The second thing I'd encourage you is don't be shy and don't be quiet about him. Your huddle, those 8 to 15 people around your life, need to hear about him and know him and see him in your life. And you need angels activated on your behalf. The third thing I'd say is don't Fear the storm if you have a relationship with Christ. There's more for you to do for the kingdom. Don't fear the storm. It has no authority over you. And even in your nevertheless, be convinced of God's plan. There's a promise or a miracle in your future when there's a nevertheless in your present. You understand? I want you to pray with me. Father, there are some of us in this place that are in storms right now. And there are some in this place, 
are very much unaware of the storm that's coming. And so for those of us in this place who choose to bring our lives in alignment with you, we say that we trust you. Father, there are some in this place who are coming to terms with your plan in their storm. There are some in this place that are coming to terms with the nevertheless that's in their life. There are some in this place that are realizing their faith has been in the structure, the substance, or the shell in which they live rather than you. Father, there are some in this place are deciding to give themselves and their future and their storms to you and submit to your authority in life. And so, Father, for those, as they give themselves to you, as they step out in faith and trust in you, as they're bold and apparent with their faith in you, would you remind them in this moment of your presence in the storm that there's both a plan and a purpose behind the nevertheless? And would you dispatch angels to our aid? Father, you've made it easy for us to love you because you loved us first. You've made it easy for us to trust you because you've shown yourself to be trustworthy time and time and time again. And so, Father, in this moment, would you draw near to those who are drawing near to you? Would you help us love you with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength? Would you give us courage and faith to continue believing that you are with us? that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, we will do all we can to trust you in the midst of our storm. We'll do all we can to trust you, even in the nevertheless, in the midst of our inability to continue trusting you, would you shower us with your mercy and your grace, not based on what we've done, not based on what we will do, but just based on the magnitude of your mercy and your grace for your children. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.